Welcome to BGD Liming Live, where we bring you the Indo-Caribbean perspective around identity and culture. With over 12,000 supporters digitally worldwide and tons of online content, we are bringing it to life and having real, authentic conversations that are long overdue. What's up, everybody? It's Ashley, the founder and CEO of The Brown Gale Diary. I'm so excited to be here today and be hosting our first podcast with my co-hosts, Tiara and Stephanie. And just to give you guys a little bit of background about what we do, we are cultivating and collaborating with the Indo-Caribbean community worldwide to create representation of culture, identity, and our experience. Uh, I'm going to pass the mic to my co-host so they can introduce themselves and we can get into the conversation. What's up, everybody? This is Tiara. I am the editor-in-chief at the Brown Gal Diary, and I primarily work on the blog. So if you've ever written for us, you've probably spoken or seen me before. Hey everyone, my name is Stephanie. I manage the events and media relations for the Brown Girl Diary. So to kick off today, um, and this podcast as a whole, I think we really want to focus on identity and how we became Brown Girl Diary and, and why we are where we are today. And I want to step back a little bit and I want to focus on why Brown Girl Diary was created. So I remember when I first left high school, sorry, I knew that I wanted to found an organization. It was just something that I was always passionate about in it. And people would always tell me like, how would you found an organization? Nothing really happened to you that was traumatic enough to, you know, found something. I think a lot of nonprofits, they have like really intense backstories. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the most boring person. And I don't know what I'm going to do. But when I sat down and thought about it, I really started to juggle with my identity and identity crisis and what that meant to me. And I sat down with my mentor and she was just like, you know, why don't you think about what it means to be a brown woman? You know, what does that mean to you? What does that look like for you? And I was like, hmm, I don't know. So I started to research a bit and I was kind of like, what was my experience as a brown woman? And when I look back at high school and that's kind of where I want us to start this conversation, because I feel like for everybody here today, that's kind of where a lot of our journeys kind of like really started to either make sense or at least started to formulate at that time. And for me in high school, I was always battling this identity crisis of like, am I Indian? Am I Caribbean? What does that even mean? And at the time, I never knew the word Indo-Caribbean and um yeah, when I think about Brown Gale Diary, that's really what kind of struck the passion of like knowing that there was other women that probably felt this way or other Indo-Caribbeans that felt this way that did not know this term. Um, but before I get into my high school experience, like why don't you guys just touch on what it was like for you? So for me, in terms of figuring out my experience as an Indo-Caribbean woman, I think it it really didn't start until I got into college because prior to that, my experience really like it went even before high school it was from elementary school i like i didn't grow up with a lot of caribbean or indo-caribbean people at all well really none um pretty much none so i did not have any sort of representation or any sort of other people around who looked like me and it was just always a source of discomfort because i literally grew up with people always asking me what are you and i hated that question with a passion like i hated even the fact that somebody would even ask what are you like you know like you're a thing a thing or like an alien or something and i i just despised it to the point where by the time i got to middle school high school i just avoided it i avoided ever answering the question anybody ever asking me because every interaction i had was just um 
it was just uncomfortable. I had people who would just constantly question and be like, well, why do you look Indian? How can you say you're Caribbean if you look Indian? And because I tried to make it simple because I never, like you said, I never knew the word Indo-Caribbean. That wasn't really a thing until maybe college, if anything. The only word I ever knew was coolie. And I mean, I didn't, I, ne- I mean, I never really used to use it like that either. So yeah, it was just uncomfortable <laughs> interactions. And then by the time I got to college and was more so around more Caribbean people, still not many Indo-Caribbean people ultimately, uh, I started to feel a lot more comfortable because I think just within the Caribbean community, there's already like a, a nice sort of feeling when we all just link up and know we're all from like islands and things like that. So I felt better, but I still needed to narrow down on myself because I realized I didn't know any of my history I didn't know where like I, I mean I know what countries my parents came from but besides that like I had never been to them and I didn't know anything so it was really tough to kind of explain or understand my direction as like corny as it might sound like you can't know where you're going unless you know where you come you come from but that was kind of the approach that I took and that was kind of where the journey started for me because to figure out where I was going in terms of my adult life I felt like I really needed to retrace those steps and and figure that out just for context Ashley where did you grow up in the city and Tiara where did you grow up in the city yeah, so I am from, well, we're, we're, Brown Gale Diary is actually like located in Toronto, um, but I specifically am in Scarborough and T. And I grew up in North York. So that's a major difference between me and the other girls. I actually grew up in Brampton, which is primarily Indian. And the problems that I faced there were considerably different than, uh, they're laughing at me right now, but they're considerably different than- I'm sorry, but we know what the internet has to say about Brampton. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> exactly. So my experience was considerably different than both of them. From the moment I started school surrounded by Indian people, the question again, like Tiara said, was, what are you? And I would always say, well, I'm Guyanese, but my ancestors would be Indian, right? And they they just kind of looked at me with this misunderstanding, but also kind of like disgust, unfortunately. I didn't feel like I was part of of that same crowd. I didn't feel the same at all. And I mean, also rightfully so, I don't share any of the same practices that they did. And growing up, I just I struggled a lot with trying to find a a place because even in places like the Mandir, my family's Hindu, I didn't necessarily feel at home there. It was a little judgmental. And while I was trying to find my my place, it wasn't necessarily the most supportive environment for me. And I know that's not the case for everyone. That was just my experience. And then when I got a little older, I went to high school, I ended up leaving Brampton and I went to high school in uh, Caledon to a school called Mayfield. And I essentially went from being bullied to being ignored in a school that was now all white. And I almost preferred it because at the very least, I could fly under the radar. Nobody cares that I'm there. Um... But people would still ask every now and then, you know, what are you? And I usually went back to just saying Guyanese. Even then, people didn't really understand where Guyana was. It was, oh, you're from Ghana? And that's that's not that's not the case. I'm not from Ghana. I'm not from Africa. 
And if they wanted to get technical, it was South America. And even then, the practices and cultures didn't make sense. And then, of course, there are those Caribbean people that say Guyanese people aren't really Caribbean because we're located in South America. So identity was a real a real crisis in my life. On top of that, my parents had a unique perspective as well, where they asked me, you know, what do you tell people when they ask, you know, what are you? And I always told them I had said that I was Guyanese. And they had this confused look on their face, too, where they're like, well, why would you tell them that? Because you're not you're not from there. You were born here. Made it more confusing. And I understand where they were coming from as immigrants. They, you know, they clawed their way to come to the country and make something of themselves. And they they want me to acknowledge that and say that I'm Canadian. But I also don't want to look like an idiot on the street when me and another person are standing on the street of Toronto. They ask, where are you from? And I say Canada as if we're not standing in the same country right now. You know, it makes sense. I know they're asking about my ethnicity. Right. Yeah. And and, you know, like a couple of things that I thought about um, is like. A couple things, actually. Like, first, I want to start back is, like, kind of backdating to, like I said, our high school experiences and, and, like, what that did for us, right? Like, I know for myself, there were, you know, like, growing up before I got to high school, really started to discover my, well, thinking I was discovering myself. Um, I knew, like, before I got there, I was like, you know, I want more, like, and like you said, Tiara, like, I never used the word Indo-Caribbean. I was like, yeah, like, I want to be a part of that, like, Kuli culture, like, it seemed fun, you know, it seemed fun to like have all the, you know, we like all the same food, we like all the same music, you know, like, you know, we like, you know, glamorize the idea of like our, like our families drink rum. And like, for me, like when I was young, I was like, okay, like, cause I didn't grow up with that in elementary school. I knew that like, I wanted that when I went to high school. And actually funny enough, I was right before we got on this podcast, I was looking at my kindergarten class photo like on my phone and I still remember this one girl that was in my kindergarten class and she was like another like at the time like a well and not when I was in kindergarten but she was another Indo-Caribbean girl but I didn't realize it you know and like my whole life I just always remembered this girl I never knew her name I just had this one kindergarten picture of her and I just never forgot her face but I just knew that I was like so connected to her and I don't know, like when I went to high school, I just knew that I wanted that. Well, I thought that I wanted it. Um, and I did. I didn't want to be like um, like accepted culturally in, in certain ways. But I think that my approach to it was wrong. Like I wanted to fall into these stigmas as opposed to being able to embrace like my my true identity, but also being able to embrace like my Indo-Caribbean identity. And for me, just to kind of like, again, kick this off, I feel like high school not destroyed me but it was like very very hard because I started to really question myself like I didn't look like the other Indo-Caribbean women I was like I wasn't like very slim I wasn't like very fair skin because you know like I'm Trinidadian and a lot of my friends were Guyanese and I started to like really question like maybe I'm maybe I, I shouldn't try to embrace this identity, you know, like maybe I should just like go back to like liking hip hop and like hanging out with the Afro-Caribbeans because I felt it felt better there. And I didn't know that I could do both, you know, and I think for me, that was a really big struggle. And I did face a lot of bullying in very like subliminal ways that I didn't realize because culturally the people that I hung out with, um, they were in a stigmatized box and 
it was kind of like hard for us to realize that we can be different things and we were all just trying to be this one thing and if somebody didn't fit that we were very very critical but that i mean of course relates to different topics that's why we're so critical about the way we look and the way we act as indo-caribbeans but yeah for me like that was a big thing about who i was when i was in high school that was a big part of it so just on that note i want to just kind of add in like for me stephanie said a lot of points that hit home um especially so i'm trinidadian and guyanese i'm half and half so i get the best of both worlds or i guess double the problems i don't know however you want to look at it but i remember the exact same experience of people you know you say you're from guyana and a lot of people you will honestly be surprised so many people do not know where guyana is and they've never heard of it and they think you're saying ghana and it's just like it's so frustrating and I remember even so just to like the high school experiences, like Ashley was just saying, there was I was in my uh, grade nine French class and we had a supply teacher. So everyone was just talking, obviously not paying attention to the teacher. And this one girl who sat behind me asked me, started talking to me and asked me where I was from. And at that point in at that time in my life, I just cut it short I would just say Caribbean because I was just trying to make it simple I didn't want to go on and explain and I had already spent the last like you know my middle school and elementary school years trying to explain to people who never got it so I just said I was Caribbean and then she had asked me where specifically and I told her and then her response was oh so you're black and I was like well Mm. not quite (laughs) right So that one, that was kind of like, I didn't even really know what to say to that at first, but I was like, well, no, not, not exactly. And she's like, well, you're not brown. Brown is Indian. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of cultural overlap, right? Between Afro and Indo-Caribbean compared Mm -hmm. to Indo-Caribbean and Indian. They're they're quite different. Well, we, we, you know, we're all under the same umbrella of these islands that we live in, right? So... When I was in that situation, I, like then after that, she said that to me and I was like, okay, I get what she was trying to get at with Brown being representing South Asian. But I was just like, well, I, I'm not really black either. But she was very convinced. She was like, well, no, because like South Asian is Brown. Those are Brown people. If you're from the Caribbean, Caribbean people are black. So you're black. And then I'm like, okay, well, that's the first, that was the first time anyone had ever tried to tell me I was black. And then prior to that, everyone would just try to tell me I was Indian. Like people I grew up with for years would still be like, yeah, but you know, girl, you like you, you look you look Indian. You can pass as like an Indian girl. But and, and like it's just frustrating because, you know, you've known somebody for however many years and you know where I'm from. So it's like, how, how like how long are you going to keep telling me that? And it's super frustrating. And then I think, you know, now getting to that place where you get to unpack, I feel like a lot of us are in that unpacking stage. You're unpacking things from your childhood, your high school years, like your teenagers, whatever. And you're just like, that's sh- like, can I swear on here? Yeah, that shit. That shit was not right. Okay. <laughs> so those those were really big frustrating points for me and I feel like as I've kind of gone on my whole identity journey and trying to come to a place where I understand you know everything better I have to unpack a lot of these little moments that I dealt with as a kid because they really stuck in my head like they stuck in my head all the way to this point where now at 25 I'm still like I remember them so clearly like they just happened yesterday and it's for for a reason because they were very like pivotal moments where I felt very like very um I don't know what the word I'm looking like I felt very invalid like my identity was was zero validation to whatever I said I was it was just like no but no but 
Yeah, Tiara, I agree with you 100%. I feel like a lot of my life is starting to make sense now. And I think that's why, like, I feel like this is such a good place for us to start. And even, like, for you guys as listeners, like, you know, like, we, all of us, like, we connect with so many women on a regular basis. And we connect with people through the blogs, like, through, like, just social messages. Like, you know, I, I felt so incomplete until I found your page. And, and it's crazy because we, I think, like, like, you can probably, like, we can probably see with what we're saying that, we felt that we had to fit into a box, you know? We always feel like we have to fit into this box. And for me, when I didn't fit into that box, that like stigma, that stigmatization of what it meant to be Kuli, as a young person, like when we use that word Kuli, it's like something fun. Like, oh yeah. And like, I don't like that word. Like to start, I don't like yeah, that Yeah, like, I never use it. I actually feel awkward when I use it now. Like, I think this is an interesting one because I like it. Just it, on that note, you, you I, like, I like it. Yeah, you feel like it. it brings like... It, it makes you feel like comfortable like yeah because like i feel yeah. like i know what you mean because for so long i did use it and i was like oh yeah like no like you know the coolie girl or like yeah that that coolie person whatever but like now i am more conscious like no i'm indo-caribbean even though i still have like maybe this uncomfortable approach to when i tell people what that is because i don't know what their response will be i do feel like now that we're really starting to unpack like we see it right like it's visible. It's it, it's impossible for us to ignore now. Like there's tons of organizations and and nonprofits and and spaces doing work for it. That we it's crazy that we're like really starting to understand ourselves and like what it means to be an Indo Caribbean and and what we want that to look like, not what other people are telling. Because we made the yeah. space. That's the thing. We have to make space for ourselves because nobody else will. Yeah, exactly. And I think even with that, like. I, I don't know where I was reading this, and I mean, obviously, we could we could we probably see it everywhere. To be honest, like that, like when we look at the indentureship and when we look at all these different things, Tara's laughing at me because I'm not like a history fan, but but no, but it's, but it is important. So I do pick up the key things, okay? Uh, I do pick up the key pieces, and like it is crazy because when we think about history, like we we are making it like these are things that are actually going to be in the, in like books like we're actually writing the books that people are going to look back at because there's like That's none there's real deep. though like she's actually <laughs> she's a author. historian right now low-key but it's like it, but it's crazy to think about it that we're actually like making the history you know like we're actually like you know like creating those like you know controversial conversations or like giving people something to think about because like it's never happened before so we're really like building from the ground up which is why it's so hard for us to like sometimes even have these conversations because we don't even know if what we're saying is like valid or true you know what i mean exactly because all of our experiences are completely different and there's no structure around like what it should look like and, and i mean that could go for any cultural identity but like when i speak specifically to like indo-caribbeanism and like what that what that feels like for us like I personally feel like I'm only now really understanding like who I even am as a woman because I'm like, okay, like that made sense. Like that was just building me up to understand that I can like like hip hop, I can like R and B, and it doesn't can, make you less Caribbean. Yeah, or and I Caribbean. Can, like, it doesn't take me away if I want to. Your... Like if I want to bust some Sundar in my car, I can do it. <laughs> like I don't have to like feel weird about it because like that's my right. Like that's my birthright to do that. You know what I mean? So, but I feel like for me, like I. In high school, I felt like I had to earn that for whatever reason because, like, you know, like, like, Kuli, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, Kuli culture wasn't something that we really, knew, like, knew how to approach. I think if I was, when I was in high, like, I've always liked my chutney music. 
Unpopular opinion, I'm probably Chutney over Soka. No one come for me. Disagree. No one come for me. No one come for me. That is just that's just me though. I love Chutney music. That just makes me want it just make puts me in a good mood and it makes me want to party. Like I don't know what it is. It just it's one of those things. But when I like it's a guy needs in you. I guess. But still, there's different (laughs) sides. Nonetheless, you know, I would have been way too ashamed in my like high school days or even before that to even like play that anywhere like i wouldn't have downloaded it onto my ipod even if i'm listening in headphones no one else can hear it i would not have felt comfortable listening to chutney like (laughs) anywhere anywhere at all and now like it's in my spotify and it's like i listen to chutney when especially when i'm writing things that are culturally specific which is the majority of what i write that's what i listen to when i'm writing pieces (laughs) honestly that's my background music in my mind the way that i'm picturing it though is like (laughs) kind of like you know like like imagine like Tiara's just writing her book and she's just like listening to like mouse ears, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I have the whole Babla and Kanchan playlist. Okay, but that one is good. That's though. it's popping. That's what I'm saying. Y'all are sleep on the chutney. I don't know why everyone uh, that's separate, but that gets me really inspired. It makes me feel very connected to my roots and it's lit. Like it's super lit and I just I love the feel of it. And when then when I'm writing these things, it puts me in that like mood in that mode where I'm able to really just like tap in and like feel part of tap my in. culture. <laughs> no, yeah. And you know what's funny? And and this is the thing that I like love about how we're defining like Indo-Caribbean identity because like yeah, it should be like if you want to listen to that music and and feel inspired, that's cool. And like for me, it's like probably the complete opposite. Like when I want to be the strongest Indo-Caribbean woman I want to be. Like, I'm going to listen to R&B. Like, I'm listening to Janae. I don't care. I'm listening to Summer Walker. I don't care. Like, that makes me feel good, you know? But because it's like we're Those chan- are from my other moods. Like, I'm, ch- I'm channeling, like, my identity, like, ver- in a very, like, strengthening way. And I'm like, yes, I am, like, Indo-Caribbean woman. I can do anything. Like, I can write. I can, I can talk about this topic. I can be an expert in this field. Like, that's where I really feel empowered. But, I mean, I guess that's, like, us really breaking out of those boxes and, like, understanding, like, that we can really as corny as it sounds like anybody we want to be you know well yeah there should never be a limit either like we should never have limits placed on us either to what we and i mean it's not specific to indo-caribbean people but just in general i think a lot of people feel like there's very specific molds and very specific things that they have to do to that's what made me feel lost yeah that's what made me feel lost the average i guess stereotypical indo-caribbean girl is like this thin, fair-skinned girl who practices some sort of Indian dance and is always listening to Chutney. And none of that is me. A good good Hindu, right? And none of that is me, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right? None of that applies to me. So it made me feel lost in this journey of of discovering an identity that I didn't know existed until I found the Brown Gale Diaries, right? (laughs) but but it's but it's true though you know like and sometimes and i think that's again like the really cool thing about like having these communities now because we can like explore what all these things look like without feeling invalidated anymore because things are changing like think life is changing like the way that we approach culture the way that we see culture in general is like seriously changing and it's it's nice to know that there's like other people it's nice to know that there's like other people that are that are feeling the same thing like I don't know how do you, how do you guys feel? 
Well, I mean, like, it's built a crazy community. What, we're at 12.1 thousand followers? Say it louder. 12.1 thousand. (laughs) Okay. So it's amazing. It's an amazing community and it's worldwide. It's people from the US, the UK that have completely different Australia. Australia. And they all have different. Yeah, I met it one time. I don't. if you're listening to this the girl that I met from Australia, please message me back because I don't know what happened to you. But yes, I did meet one person from Australia. And all of them have completely different experiences being Indo-Caribbean in those places. They're not going to be identical to ours. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure. For sure. And I think that even to that in itself is is like I don't I don't know how to describe it really but that's so cool because it's like we can sit here and we're talking about experiences all within the whatever the G, the GTA will say the GTA within Ontario within Canada right that's the whole breakdown but there's people maybe who define have... what GTA is because I people don't understand oh. what the acronym is <laughs> it's the general Toronto area no it's greater. the greater sorry <laughs> The Listen, okay, I'm from Toronto, like actually Toronto, nothing on all these other places that people say are Toronto and they're not Toronto. So I don't I like I, I don't think about it all the time. But yeah, you know, there's there's all these places, but there's still all these other experiences in the US, in the UK, in clearly Australia. The people the experiences of of course are, you know, our Indo-Caribbean people who are still living in the Caribbean and all of these I mean, I think there's things elements that we may all share across the globe but there's there's still going to be so many different experiences and different um like different like lived other experiences (laughs) um depending on where you where you are in the globe and the point is to capture all of them we'd like to hear from everyone out there from different parts of the world so we have more basis for comparison and i think i want to i want to like look at something that I noticed like when I first started Brown Gale Diary and when I brought on a team like when I before I had a team it was like very like chill it was very like you know it, it didn't have the substance that it did until I brought on the team right and we were really starting to have these conversations as like Indo-Caribbean women because the women that I met were not like the ones that I had known in the past like uh not I mean like not that there was anything wrong with them but we were living like they were understanding Indo-Caribbeanism in a different way. In a modern way. In a modern way, as opposed to like us still looking at that like Koli culture. Like in my mind, I separate them in these into the, these two like constructs of like my growth. Right. As like that Koli culture <laughs> when I was younger, and now I'm starting to meet women who are really starting to explore Indo Indo-Caribbean culture in a more um, respectful and um, um, like educational approach. Right. And and one thing that I did notice was when women would come to us and be like, I don't want to be a part of this space because every single um, experience I had with Indo-Caribbean women was like, or like they would be like Kuli women. Not a lot of people would use Indo-Caribbean. They'd be like, it, it was just wrong. Like, you know, like it was very like envious or very jealous or very this or very I feel that. that. That was the way it was growing and, up too. And, and one, exactly. And one thing that I had to do was like take a step back and remember like, when we approach these like experiences in this way, we are coming like even when we like well, obviously there's intergenerational trauma, but we are coming with our own painful trauma. You know what I mean? Like we are coming with all this like painful experiences of like how we were treated, all because of like misunderstanding. You know what I mean? Like it's not our fault. It's not our. It's actually nobody's fault. You know, like it, it's colonialism, really. Like it's colo- <laughs> I mean, everything is colonialism. Yeah, if we want like, a point of yeah. genuine finger. Yeah, like you know what I mean. And like 
And and that was like one of the biggest struggles because like I would have women come to us and be like, you're doing this wrong or you're not covering this right or you're not doing this or you're not doing that. And I'd be like, I know, like we're all, like, and I would have to take it not with a grain of salt, but I'd have to take it lightly and just like very, be very, very respectful and understanding of like the pain that they are coming to us with because we, we you can't blame them, right? Like, this is just what they've seen. This is just what they know. And they've never seen resolution like they've never seen collaboration or they've never seen like collective action right like this is that's the first a compliment time. in itself right women coming and saying well you're not reflecting this perspective they want you to reflect that they want their stories and, to and, be I, told. and I think it comes as a shock like I remember the first I don't I don't remember the exact exact first thing that happened but I know like one of our biggest one of our biggest like blow-ups was when we had posted the cultural appropriation piece about um what's her name lily singh lily singh yeah yes. oh and my she god was singing that, i think like, that was april of 2020 she yeah was so go back go back on yeah, yeah. If, you, if you go back if you go yeah. back on the feed or, or on the blog uh, and, and it was cringe like it was cringy and i mean like this was like one of the first posts i did when i brought in the team but i didn't consult anybody i just did it which was obviously like a bad approach <laughs> it was like very like impulsive Heat but of the moment. It was, it was a heat a- of the angering moment. Somebody to watch had that to video. Put up a tweet, and I'm gonna find the tweet. Can you find the tweet for me that I had posted? <laughs> it was like far back in April. Okay. Um, in I'm April be 2020. Scrolling to 2020 right now. So, CRB. and I remember I posted that, and it was just like controversy, like so much controversy around this this um Lily Sin thing, and people were very split in the middle. Like, yes, yeah, yes, I okay think she's embracing it. it, and yes, I or other people were like, no, I think it's wrong, right? And it was really cool to like see see this contrast of like how people approach these things and and we had a lot of people again like dm us and be like you know you shouldn't have approached it that way and you shouldn't approach it this way and what we did as a team is we literally stayed up for maybe like four or five hours like we were up to like four o'clock in the morning putting together a constructive response on like what cultural appropriation is and what that meant for our community specifically as Indo-Caribbeans. And I think this really helped like light the torch for us, you know, to keep going and really understand like where people's energies were at and like what that, what that meant for them and what this new platform having again, like these controversial conversations is really going to do for our community because like it was really helping us understand like again like these traumas that people had and and we've all faced these traumas like like Stephanie I would like you to talk about your trauma like you know like I know we talk about it a lot like growing up in Brampton and what that meant because one of my mentors grew up in Brampton as um um a Sri Lankan woman and she same thing with you like she actually preferred just being like under the radar with around a lot of white people because she was such a different Sri Lankan woman that like people were kind of just like no you do not fit this box you need to get out of here exactly so when I was in school it was it was sort of twofold like I was being looked at differently by Indian kids and then whatever other Indo-Caribbean kids there were in my environments, they were also looking at me differently, right? They were looking at me because I didn't fit that typical stereotype of Caribbean or Indo-Caribbean woman, coolie woman, right? And again, it led to me having no place. It was just 
teasing, bullying, oh, you aren't who you say you are, you aren't, like, you don't belong. So, like, yeah, I would have rather go to, you know, my all-white school and <laughs> nobody bothered me. I could sit and eat in peace without someone looking at me. <laughs> they didn't even you, see me at all. I think I'd what, rather be unbothered as yeah. well. Yeah. I mean, like, it's unfortunate that we even have to be, like, yeah, which one do I one. prefer? Do I know? prefer yeah. to be isolated or be bullied? Like, exactly. It's, such a, it's, it's just sad that it even comes to that point where you have to choose between like one or the other of these scenarios and really neither one is necessarily pleasant but it's just okay well yes. in one scenario I'm just not bothered exactly all of the friends that I had from that era of life where I was going to school in Brampton are actually like none of them are Indo-Caribbean or Indian mm-hmm. I had like a best friend that was Italian someone from Scotland um I think me and Zenubia reconnected my best friend um, and she's the only Indo-Caribbean friend that I had up until I got involved with the Brown Gale Diaries with Ashley and Tiara. And that was also a confusing experience because why don't I have any friends that are Indo-Caribbean? There's just none around. <laughs> I feel that. And I, okay, I feel that so strongly because I always, I was in that space where I, like, I always wanted to be around more Indo-Caribbean people. I was like, I want to be around. Because it's a party when we get together. Exactly. I love partying fun. with my family. <laughs> It's fun, it is. And but I didn't have any Indo-Caribbean friends until I, I got involved with BGD. Like until that point, well, okay, sorry, I had one. I had one friend. One. That was it. And and even so, we we were, you know, we went to the same school for a year or two and then she moved and we didn't reconnect until re- like recently, in recent years we had reconnected. But prior to that, I was again on my own for a good five, six years before or actually maybe even a little longer, maybe even like seven or eight years before we reconnected again and then obviously like now with BGD. But until then, none i did not have any indo-caribbean friends so i i couldn't have i didn't have a, any judgment on whether you know it would be pleasant unpleasant you know what it would be like to it's be even around. harder to develop or develop your identity when you don't have community yeah other than my family yeah. and i don't come from a, a particularly big family to begin with i know some people do have really big like some indo-caribbean families are huge and stretch all across you know wherever wherever but i don't particularly come from a big family so you know in within my own small family and whatever my family's very close and it was you know I had so much like good time to spend with my family but they were the only representation slash like experience of being with Indo-Caribbean people that I got and on top of that my parents came to Canada when they were kids my dad was five I think and my mom was like nine or ten so they didn't spend a great deal of their lives in the Caribbean they grew up here they pretty much for the most part grew up here their early years were spent back home and I you know I think they hold on to those memories very (laughs) preciously of course because those were their back home memories and you know for my parents they always talk about when they came to Canada it was the biggest culture shock of their lives and neither of them liked it for the long they spent years before they even adjusted to being here they all they both wanted to go back home but you know they were (laughs) my dad did not like it here he wanted he wanted to go home my go back home my mom my when my dad came to Canada his grandmother came with him and she had to spend a year up here in Toronto before to help him get used to um, like living here to help him adjust because he grew up with his grandparents while my grandma was up here like you know basically trying to get a life started and when my mom came she was already 10 so when you think about when you're 10 years old you're very you know into the the last 10 years of your life that you've had and she 
was she was like she was cheese she wanted to go back home she even had an aunt <laughs> offer to take her back to trinidad because that's how bad she wanted to go and and she had an aunt even ask my grandma like hey i'll take her back she can go to you know mm-hmm. she'll go to a good school this that we'll take care of her because your, your child looks miserable <laughs> here but obviously my grandmother said no she's like no my kids are gonna stay with me and be with me regardless you know so they had to tough it out and eventually get used to it but it was a huge culture shock for both my parents and they weren't happy about it Ashley's jumping out of her seat for this tweet. I saw yeah, she found her. the tweet. She, I was struggling, I but she found the tweet. I don't even know if I want to read it. Like, no, I don't even know if tweet. I want to revisit this, but I, I will. It's about having tough conversations. Yeah. We gotta I, and do I will, it. Because I think, like, maybe my approach could have been a bit different back then. Um, but no, this we is... We learn and we grow. Yes. This is this is what the tweet said, okay? So I had just, like, found it on Twitter, and I was like, okay, yeah, I resonate with this, and I and I wanted to share it. But again, like, if anybody revisits this as they're listening to this, please remember, like, I've grown as a content <laughs> creator, and I definitely articulate my thoughts much better now. Um, so what it said is, Lily Singh's continued appropriation of the Caribbean culture is not okay. A reminder that just because you grew up in the community with a lot of Afro and Indo-Caribbean descent does not mean you have a past to use their culture for your profit. So when we had posted that, we had created like a let's talk, right? And this was like the beginning of our infographics. This is where our infographics were born. Um, and we just kind of, you know, we wanted everybody to join us in discussion and we kind of broke it down as like, why did we, what was the real purpose of posting this, right? Like, what did we want to get across? So it's broken down. I'm going to read it really quickly. Um, so embracing positivity. We want to acknowledge that, and, and you guys, like you ladies, like listen, and, and I want to hear your feedback now, you know, what you think mm-hmm. about it now. Uh, we want to acknowledge that the lyrical message put out by Lily was one of positive, and we understand the intentions of the video were not derogatory or oppressive. We completely agree that Caribbean culture and music is one that spreads unity and love. Bod Gale what? Non-Caribbean individuals who code switch between their culture and ours contribute to the year share of Indo-Caribbean identity. Indo-Caribbeans are consistently left out of the South Asian diaspora and discourse and have faced discrimination and exclusion due to their identity. Why it matters. As an Indo-Caribbean community, we are struggling to understand and embrace our own identities. Having someone of the South Asian community assume that culture and represented on their platform is a selective capacity Um, in a selective capacity is where these issues lie and then it just goes into like a little bit of the history of the indentureship and like our connection to south asia um and then the last one is just like moving forward and how we can discuss these issues that we're facing and find comfort within their community and i think this was really like a stepping stone of like us as even like a team really like just like bonding over like what indo-caribbeanism um, Indo-Caribbean culture and all these different things really meant to us and like how we looked at it around like appropriation or or battling this um, ongoing conversation of like being South Asian, being Caribbean and like just really struggling with that. I think this was like a really great stepping stone. So I encourage everybody to read that first piece. Uh, but yeah, how, how do you guys feel about this idea of um, of identity and, and culture and, and where we are now? Tiara, why don't you start? I feel like I have an aggressive take. <laughs> I feel like I know where your take is going, so I'm I'm gonna and, certainly and save focus those notes. Too much on like cult, like cultural appropriation because that's a conversation on. Yeah, that's a, that's no, a no, that's podcast. a separate one. I think I think for me, especially when this dropped, 
I know there were people there, like I know of people who actually thought that Lily Singh was Indo-Caribbean. So it that was kind of I think where some of that frustration came in because it was um, it was like people thought she was and she obviously you know and she isn't and then it's kind of like somebody is kind of taking a face of representation to the culture who isn't even from it meanwhile there's so many of us who are dying for actual representation and we don't get it um on top of that and we all i think uh, this is probably going to be a separate conversation itself but we know a lot of uh, Indo-Caribbean actors that are always playing South Asian specifically characters. They, God forbid, we ever get to just play ourselves. Oh my God, my favorite show, Degrassi. Degrassi, that, that was exactly what I was thinking in my head. Every that single Indian character. That was it. Is Guyanese. Every single yeah, one. Yeah, both of them. Yeah, the the, the brother and sister. Sav and Ali. Yeah, yeah. and they're Guyanese. <laughs> and I, I never watched Degrassi. Oh, but it's so good. They I have a, like a okay. Season. Anyway, they're that's doing that's a reboot. They're doing a I'm going to go back and like watch that Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got it. Anatomy, a lot Degrassi is just one that I feel like you have to witness. I don't know if it's going to hit the same. Just on a separate note. It may not hit the same now that we're older. When you're like, when you're hormonal in your teens, Degrassi is just Feels like, like everything. Yeah, it just, it crushes your soul. It makes you like, I don't know if it would hit now. I haven't seen it in years. But yeah, like things like that were so frustrating. I even remember watching Degrassi and not knowing that they were Guyanese at the time, but I was thinking it. I was like, they just they look don't like look, it. Yeah. They don't look Indian, like South Asian. They looked Caribbean. You know, I couldn't put my finger on what specifically, but when I actually eventually Googled it and I was like, I had started with Googling um, Melinda. Melinda Shankar, yeah. yeah. I Googled her first and I was like, she's Guyanese. And then I. Well, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know her last name yeah. at the time, but it was like one day I had paid attention to the credits and yeah. I pulled up everyone's name and I was like, these guys are Guyanese. What the hell? But that's the thing though about like about like our identity and our culture that I feel like for a long time like really even made us question who we are like imagine how many like actors and actresses and even on the news like I swear like half of CP24's and Breakfast Television's cast is like Indo-Caribbean people like you know there's an Indo-Caribbean person on um, 92.5 every single every single morning when we turn on Razamoka yeah Yeah. like these people are Indo-Caribbean and and now, more than ever, like, we're starting to see them really talk about their culture and identity on the radio, which is amazing because we're really seeing that growth. But I They've mean, been like, doing that extra since they added uh, Deepa. They, yeah, Deepa, yeah, which is, like, so funny. Her. Yeah, it's so funny, too. But, um, no, like, when, when we think about that, it's, like, why why is our identity hidden? Or, like, why is it that we're not, like, raising more voice around, like, Indo-Caribbean identity to make sure that it's being seen right but again i think that's what challenges our identity when we think about yeah and i mean we also have to remember like we always we haven't always had the spaces and even to like even to the times we're living in now the 2020s right but even if we go back to for example not even that long ago the 70s 80s when our parents grandparents were here or like immigrated here this the environment was and i mean i am not saying the environment is still not racist in canada or anything like that but toronto and you know canada it was even more racist than 50 years ago than it was you know now um, obviously because we have representation and people stepping up and, and putting their foot down to things, but it was a very different environment. And, and, you know, I think as much as people wanted to have spaces and wanted to maybe speak up, you, you had to, you had to put certain things in priority over. Do I want to speak up or do I want to keep my job? Do I want to speak up or do I want to have a roof over my head? Which is a horrible Mm -hmm. ultimatum, but it was just, you have a family and kids and, you you know, and, and responsibilities and that had to come first ultimately. 
Of course, and that comes down to, again, the topic of this month was intergenerational trauma, right? It all comes from there. Um, no, what I was going to say is, like, if we're going back to the example of, like, Degrassi, that family was being portrayed as an Indian Muslim family and them, you know, feeling ways about their upbringing and the hurdles it put in their way growing up as teens in Toronto. But, like, what was stopping that family from being a Muslim Indo-Caribbean family? There are Muslim people in the Caribbean. Yeah, like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> but you know what's funny? Like, a friend of mine, he was just, like, we were just having a conversation recently, and he's like, you know, like, I really want to, like, pursue, like, acting and, and podcasting now because I'm, like, because he's, like, we're finally starting to see people that, like, look like me you know like on these different like even these like reality shows you're seeing like brown people like just brown people in general really but um it's just crazy how empowering it is when you really do see people that look like you and um how much it it impacts like the decisions that you're going to make right and why like cultural representation is so 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 critical to like our growth as as people and um did anybody want to um kind of you know say any final thoughts before we wrap up sure um well on- honestly maybe not a, like a final thought but just i think can you make what- it? No, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i think what we can get from even just this this conversation today which I, f- I think we maybe only even scratched the surface is just there's so many layers and so many so many things that fall under the umbrella of identity and indo-caribbean identity and the way we've all experienced it and again like what the way we're the things we're talking about today to especially to our listeners these are just snippets of of the three of us and our um our experiences and they may be different than your experiences listening as well and maybe you know they might be the same it really depends we've all had so many different ones but it just goes to show how many layers like i said there are to the conversation of indo-caribbean identity and hopefully in the in the coming weeks you guys will just like stick by us as we continue to unwrap these um these different topics because there's going to be so many yeah like that was very well said to wrap us up today like i think like like you said it's just scratching the surface you know and we're now touching on these topics and and conversations and it, it feels good like i feel good like i was just telling you guys today that as I was looking at podcasts, I barely see any brown women and there's hard to find like brown women to just like listen to when I'm chilling and I don't want to read a book or I don't want to watch a show. I just want to listen and I just want to hear and I just want to feel. And I'm, I'm really excited for us to like be on this journey to like have these conversations because again, like look at, look at how many things we were able to like bring up when we just talk about like who we were as like young people and and how that's made us who we were and these might be therapy sessions yeah literally like oh my (laughs) gosh don't start crying but no i just i just want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in today and and you know like leave us a comment like follow hit us up on instagram twitter our instagram is at the b-r-o-w-n-g-y-a-l-d-i-a-r-y and you can find us under the same name on facebook And you can also find us under the same name on LinkedIn. So hit us up. Let us know what you think. Leave comments, leave ratings, and and let's keep growing this community. Let's keep being there for each other and let's keep supporting each other. And let's keep having these conversations because we want to and we need to. And this is only the beginning. So thank you guys for listening in to BGD Liming Live. And we will be back with more and we're excited. Bye.